All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Interview Series. Uh, as always, I am Will Driscoll, the Executive Director here at the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. I hope everyone had a great weekend and uh, your sports teams brought you just a little bit of joy this weekend. Uh, but before we get started, as always, I, I want to thank our partners and our sponsors here at the Hall of Fame for helping us put on Hall Call and other initiatives, the Priority Automotive, our presenting sponsor, the City of Virginia Beach, uh, Optima Health, Davcon Inc., ESPN Radio 94.1, and of course, our friends over at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Well, let's jump right into it. Now, recently, if you've been following Hall Call a few weeks ago, we spoke to Virginia native and longtime NBA referee Tony Brothers. Well, as Tony enters his 28th season in the NBA, he's looking at the next generation that he can pass the baton to, per se. And joining us today is, is one of the people that he that hopes to get that baton from Tony and others as part of the Virginia Basketball Officials Association. You'll see on your screen, Shalisa Painter. She was an all-district basketball player at, at Indian River High School in Chesapeake, Virginia, and then went on to play collegiately at George Washington University and then back here in Hampton Roads at Old Dominion University. Following three years playing professionally overseas, she started down a new path this time with a whistle, hoping to eventually make it to the NBA as a referee. Shalisa, thank you for taking some time to join us today. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're, excited, to, we're excited to see you and we're excited to talk about this transition. Uh, as always, if you're following along on social media, Facebook Live, please feel free to throw a question up on the stream and we'll see if we can get that over to her. But, uh, but let's go ahead and get this started. What was it about officiating that made you want to make that transition from playing to this? Um, there was nothing particular. I just was um, interested in a new potential career path. So I was kind of overplaying, kept getting hurt with like ankle injuries. So they were like really tedious and I just wasn't interested anymore. So when I was introduced to refereeing and then understanding like the career path that could potentially be professional, I definitely was like, I want this. <laughs> Well, I, I mentioned I mentioned Tony Brothers in the introduction. Um, Tony's obviously been a very big part of this transition. Just kind of talk about the initial conversations you had with him and how he kind of helped you get to this path. So he just um, I was working at a camp at Old Dominion, like working the clocks and the table. And he just um, he actually provided officials for those camps. And he just was like, um, you should think about officiating. And I was like, I'm not, I don't know, nobody wants to do that. <laughs> nobody likes the refs. I don't, I like to be liked, <laughs> right? And he, uh, he was just like, well, you should think about it. The uh, income is quite, you know, nice. So I just researched it, looked, looked it up. And I was like, hmm, I think I'm interested in this. So that's the first thing that caught my eye was how much they can make. And no one knows that. <laughs> Well, well, you know, that that's when you get to the top level, you know, you're obviously right. you're working your right. way up currently. Uh, tell <laughs> us about tell us about your first game officiating. What level was it and what was very eye popping to you? So my first game I actually officiated was in the Hampton Road Seven Cities Pro-Am um, at Lake Teller High School. This was back in 2018 or maybe summer 2017. One of those. I lose track of time because of COVID. Um, I did a women's pro game. So even the rules and the way you call the game is different from high school. So like there's different places of the ball. There's just different, it's just different. So I didn't even start with the little people like five and six. I didn't start young. I went straight to professional. So 
my first game, I'll never forget. There were so many bar- block charge plays coming at me. I didn't know what was going on. I just blown my whistle and <laughs> so just nervous, stressed. But thank goodness the community knew me, so they gave me grace. <laughs> so, but after my game, I'll never forget. I went up to the referees and were like, and was like, I will never be mean to a referee ever again. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> Did you ever have that reputation at ODU as kind of giving the referees? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I was never mean to them. But, you know, there's times where you feel like, what are they doing? They can't see, you know, things like that. But once I had first eye view of the experience of what it is to be an official, I was like, oh, I have all understanding <laughs> from now on. <laughs> Well, so I, I don't think I mentioned this in the in the open, but you are now on track. You are going to be an NBA G League referee this year. Right. And you're also right. going to be officiating some Division One women's basketball games as well with three conferences. Kind of talk about how the path to get to that point. I know that we're still not quite at the NBA yet, but this is still a big step in your career. Yes. Um, so it's definitely an interesting one. So how they actually... Um, final referees to try out is through other tournaments that happen around. So first you get invited, you have an NBA scout who um, invites you to grassroots. So there's grassroots, mid-level and elite. And then you go to NBA summer league if you get hired after elite. So I, I was invited in 2019. I was invited in 2019 my uh, NBA scout's name is Diana DePaul. She um, she just helped me navigate how to um, do everything I need to do. So I was very raw. I didn't um, have all the experience other people had, but I was willing to be taught. I was willing to listen, adjust when need to. So I just think my actual knowledge of playing basketball helped in aiding in the way that I went through the process. So you go to grassroots. Grassroots was at Blue Williams and like, April, then you go to mid-level once you get advanced through there, and then you go to elite. So elite's at Charlottesville, you're refereeing the top 100 kids, boys in the whole country. So just from each level, you want to progress, show that you can progress, show that you have understanding, being coachable, just being um, very attentive to the little details that they ask. Um, but me, I just was like, I'm here, I'm enjoying myself. I've never experienced things like this. I'm just here to just soak all of everything that I need to just to get to the next step. So every time I received the email to get invited to the next level, I was so hyped. <laughs> I was in the house screaming like I want something. So I was screaming probably like every other month because you go <laughs> each month to each level. So it just overall, it was quite an experience just to be invited. And I'm like, I didn't even think I would be in this position to even be here. So it's just, I'm still happy right now. <laughs> well, you, you've obviously separated yourself from another crop. I can't imagine that, that this is something that only a few people want to do. It seems like it's something that a lot of people want to pursue. What have you noticed is a quality that separates the people who keep progressing versus the people that, that don't? Um, being coachable. So I think being a collegiate player, being a professional player, I'm always being coached. So you have a coach who tells you, look, I need you to do this, this, and this. And when you do this, this, and this, it shows that you're able to adjust and listen. So 
I feel like I was easy. I was able to adapt very easily to what they're asking me. So if they tell me to look here at this point in time, I made sure I did that. So just being attentive to what they're asking. So I know that you mentioned that you were at the summer league. Um, now the summer league, for those who don't know, that's not necessarily all of the, the top NBA players. This is where a lot of the younger players kind of get their, their chance to try to make the roster. But this is still the, the, next, the next man up, basically. A lot of the rookies play in that second year players. What, is, is there something about just the, the speed of that game that surprised you or did it take you off guard at all as a, as a new official? Um, so only thing that might more surprised me was how big they were. So like high school basketball players in this area, there's a couple that are six, five, but these kids are like six, 10, uh, six, eight, and everyone's a guard. So <laughs> those are the more things of like, geez, they're huge. So even my view of the way the game is played. So if it was like this for high school, it turns into this for pro because they're jumping higher they're quicker faster bigger stronger so yes there was a lot of adjustments just to get used to because of a different style of play that i'm seeing most of the time so you know you you have the g league schedule coming up and as i mentioned you have some division one games as well how many games do you expect to officiate the over the course of the next season <laughs> i have no idea i'll be happy with just one i'm just excited to even just be a part of the NBA, like, I'm just, I don't, I'm just happy. <laughs> what, what is the schedule then? So you'll get your assignments win for, for division one versus G league. I'm sorry, Will, it messed. Yeah, that, that's okay. It looks like it, it did freeze a little bit. You still there? Yes. For, yeah, this is life in 2021. <laughs> uh, so we, we were talking a little bit about the about how the schedule works out. You know, you don't know exactly what your assignments are right now, but when do you find those assignments and how much time do you have to get to, say, a G League game versus a, an ODAC game or a or a MEAC game? So most colleges is probably too, you need to um, be at the gym two hours before game time. Um, G League is a day before. So if it works out, I could be somewhere in Northern Virginia, if I have a G-League game, I need to be there the day before. And then I can, sometimes you can even swing after a game, if the next day I have a college game, I'll swing down to that game. So it just really depends on your placement where you're at and the um, level of basketball to, to know which way, but you can be anywhere any night. <laughs> it definitely is not a, uh, it's in talking with Tony about his schedule, it's not as glamorous as a lot of people think it is. It, it is a yeah, lot of travel. Right. You're away from home a lot. So it's, yes. it definitely takes a it definitely takes a strong person to do that. In in going through this whole process, though, the transition from playing to to officiating, what's been the best piece of advice that you have received? Um, I just love the people that you encounter. You meet people from all different backgrounds, all different um life paths um just experiencing different people and their views and actually opens up your eyes for your own path so there's so many things obviously my mentors tony brothers for more of the pro side and then i um, recently got in contact with Angel angelica suffering she's a, co a collegiate and pro side on um, level um, referee but just taking in experiences other people have experienced 
to help me either navigate or just learn from. So it's just always something different because you will see so many different types of plays for just basketball. And then even in life, there's things that are similar and then there's things that's just different. So I just love to absorb any knowledge that or any wisdom that people can give to me. Well, we, you know, we talked about Tony, but let, let's let, let's kind of talk about the elephant in the room. You know, the, you're targeting a league that is that is very male dominated for obvious reasons. And so you're trying to become a female official in that league. You mentioned a female official that you're talking to on the collegiate side. Have you talked to any of the current female NBA referees and and just kind of go into just the journey that they've gone on, at least the people that you've talked to, whether it is collegiate or in the NBA as to how a female can make it in, in this setting? So I've, um, for NBA referee, someone I've reached out to, uh, Lauren Holkamp, um, Holkamp Sterling now, she's actually married to another NBA official. Um, she, uh, she's definitely someone who's taking me under her wing, uh, giving me the things that I need to know for this, you know, this, atmosphere so she just tells me and just how to carry yourself be strong be true to yourself um the end just because you have to I can't be her but you still have to find your own personality in all of this so I'm still going to be myself with just taking in because it's going to take experience to even like know if I could smile here or if I keep a stern face here <laughs> like it just you have to learn with your niches in this because I can't completely be her. I can't be Tony Brothers. Those th their personalities and actions don't fit my personality. So she just tells me to stay within myself, stay true to yourself, and just keep learning as much as you can to become a better official. And you don't, it's not that you don't want, but you want to just be an official and people always will separate you with gender, but you just sometimes, I just want to be a rep, y'all. Y'all don't have to always put me as just a woman official. So. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and we've seen those strides be made over the last 20 to 25 years, you know, that, that has opened up for the female officials. But, you know, even as a new official, male or female, you still have to gain the respect of the players. Yes. What has yes. your approach been to doing that? Because every every game is a new game and a new, a new crop of players for you. So mine is just um, be relatable. So I played. I played collegiate, I played professionally. So talking to them, talking to anyone in layman's basketball terms, then they're like, oh, okay, she knows what you're talking about. And then it's more credible when you can actually speak in basketball terminology. So of course I still use officiating terms and, and um, things like that, but you still wanna be relatable and show that you have understanding and basketball IQ. Has there been any pushback from anybody yet without naming names? Do you have any funny oh. stories? <laughs> <laughs> always there's always going to be pushback um because I mean even if you just watch all sports now you can show the replay of someone getting fouled and people will still <laughs> not believe that that should have been a foul so there's going to always be pushback um it's very interesting like more on the like high school level people will question my calls but you have questions about something that I feel like you should know the rules about so I had a coach say, that should be eight seconds. That should be eight seconds. And I'm like, well, eight seconds applies in the professional game. This is high school. So we have 10 seconds. Thank you. <laughs> so it's just, it's just very interesting. 
every night is very funny because I'm like, you're asking me this question, but you should know that, you know, but you're going to question my call. So it's always going to be pushed back, like I said, but you just always want to approach it with, I'm always very personable. I keep my um, um, self just, you want to be professional at all times, no matter even how they interact with you. So that that's actually something that I hadn't even thought of, but it, it makes 100% um, sense is the fact that you're dealing with different sets of rules, depending on what level you are officiating. And for yeah. you to have to tell a coach that no, that what we're playing right now, that, that's high school, you're thinking of something else. You know, how many sets of rules do you have to kind of master? Because this isn't something where you have to have above average knowledge, you have to master the knowledge of these rule books. So essentially, it just depends. So I've I've done in my past high school, I've done professional, but then there's a difference between women's and men's college. So I've done some uh, junior college men's, they even have a different rotation. So right now there's four different sets of rules and officiating mechanics that you would have to master and understand. Well, when you're reviewing your tape, you know, that this isn't the same as reviewing game tape as a player. What are you looking for now when you're looking at your tape? Because you, you've talked about it. You guys have your post-match, your post-game meetings and go over each call. What are you looking for to improve? So I'm always looking at um, where I'm standing, where I'm looking, because um, you always want to go back to the basics. The basics is your mechanics. So you, if you are true to your mechanics, then the officiating part will come. So if I'm standing where I should be, then I should have the correct angle to see what I need to see in that position. Um, how, what I call my timing of my whistle. Um, did I get there in time, i.e. did I run fast enough? Um, all the things that I'm talking about right now are just making sure that I'm mechanically sound and then we can talk about the play. Okay, so that's that's actually a very good way to look at it. Is you're not going to get the you're not going to get to the actual play until you put yourself in that correct position. Um, you know, I, I had the recent pleasure of listening to you speak at the Chesapeake Sports Club, and you actually told a pretty funny story about how you do kind of keep your mechanics, you know, in tune and and always on top of it. Why don't you kind of give us a little bit of insight into what you do to practice? So you are always. Um want to always be sharp on your mechanics and mechanics include things like calling your fouls, doing your presentation to the table. And most of the time, if I'm walking through the grocery store or just anywhere, I'll just come out and do my mechanics while I'm in the grocery store. So you can only imagine how that is when I'm in the grocery store, putting my hands up and people don't even understand what's going on. They're looking at me like, but I would keep walking down the middle of the aisle, <laughs> white 22, pose, <laughs> shock. <laughs> Don't do that at the deli counter. You don't know what you'll walk away with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you have any of uh, any of your former teammates or peers who are kind of uh, approaching the this same track, or has everybody else kind of just stuck with basketball and then potentially getting into coaching? Because that always seems to be the natural progression. So I actually have had plenty of um, people that play with women. I played against. There's even male um, players coaches now they're always reaching out to me specifically now that they've seen where I'm going with officiating they became interested so I'm always having people message me on social media like hey how do I get an officiating and I send them straight to um our um officiating coordinator for new members and things like that so like I probably by now since I started officiating I probably recruited at least 
six women to try to officiate and it actually started and they really enjoy it now. And then I still just get people all the time like, hey, how do I do it? But I guess people see that like, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're excited because obviously with having Tony and then now Brandon Adair from Virginia Wesleyan, I mean, there's a there's obviously a Virginia player uh, in the NBA right now. And we'd love to see both male and females, you know, maybe one day there could be an all Virginia officiating crew on an NBA court. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll get you out of here on a couple more questions. And these are these are pretty easy. But another another thing you talked about recently at the Chesapeake Sports Club is how you got introduced to basketball. And there's yeah. a there's a really strong connection to the Hall of Fame with that. Why don't you kind of tell people that story? So I actually started playing basketball pretty late. I didn't start till I was like 13 years old. Um, tried out at Indian River Middle School. At the time, my friend, she actually played basketball. And she was um, just like, come try out with me. I was just like, I never played basketball, girl. So tried out with her, actually made the team. I was so excited. I remember running home telling my mom, like, I made the basketball team, you know. And actually, in one of my practices, it was like before the season started, this tall man walks into the gym. And, excuse me for the feedback. My, I live in a high traffic area. <laughs> um, um so this tall man walks into the gym and I didn't know who he was. I'm just starting basketball. So I don't know anything about basketball players. Comes to find out it's Bob Dandridge. So Bob Dandridge actually helps me. He puts me on his AU team. He actually fixed my shot and actually taught me the basics of basketball. And honestly, without him, I would not have reached the heights of basketball that I've had. Well, that, that is a great connection to get, or I should say introduction to get into the game. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, I know that we've been pointing out, but Bob Dandridge was recently inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame. He'd already been in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame for many, many years, uh, but we're happy that he finally got the recognition he deserved there. So that's a great introduction. And then one more to get you out of here. You know, you, you, you left the state. For, well, actually, I guess George Washington is technically still in Northern Virginia, but you, you came back to Hampton Roads. Just kind of talk about your experience at ODU women's basketball. It's obviously been one of the, the great sports and athletic programs, not just, you know, here in Hampton Roads, but throughout the state over the course of history. So just kind of talk about your experience at ODU women's basketball. My experience was absolutely lovely. Um, I enjoyed every um, fan, every faculty member. Um, um, my coach at the time, Karen Barefoot, um, all my teammates that were um, there with me from 2012 to 2015, um, even the women who came back who used to play for Old Dominion, uh, Tisha Penichiro, I met, Nancy Lieberman, I met. Um, just everyone overall was just very um, gracious. Everyone was loving um there's times we experience you know trials and tribulations as we all do but overall i my experience at old dominion was absolutely lovely i will always like for i always say um for all my zoom calls i always wear my odu things as you can see i wear i have my jersey this is always my background for zoom calls and things like that because i just adore old dominion so much um just loved our president. Um, he's not the president right now anymore. Um, I just love ODU. Like I can keep going on and on how much I loved it. It definitely shaped me to be a woman I am today. Um, but there's not, there's gracious comments. Everyone go to ODU. All women's place you. I love it. Um, yes. So I guess on the <laughs> side, you'll be doing recruiting for Old Dominion University as well. <laughs> 
think I can do that. I just would never be able to officiate there. So right. I think I can do that. <laughs> Well, I mean, you, you mentioned some of the names, Nancy Lieberman, Tisha Panachero, also Wendy Larry and Donovan, they're, they're Virginia Sports Hall of Famers. So the tradition has gone on for many, many years. Um, but I actually lied, I do have one more question for you. What will constitute this upcoming season a success in your mind? In my mind, it will be, like I said, being coachable, working hard, knowing my rules, being consistent, sticking with integrity, and enjoying enjoying what I do. A lot of people put a lot of pressure on the job, but just enjoying what I do, I really think, because it's essentially my first year being at this level. So I just want to take in all the experiences, learn all I need to learn, um, just take all the wisdom from people who are going to be um, definitely guiding me through these um, this first year. And of course, always, you're always learning. Um, you can never stop learning when you're officiating. So just, I just can't wait. <laughs> Well, we, we are certainly looking forward to following your progress. And I know that basketball fans throughout Hampton Roads and hopefully Virginia will be doing the same. Uh, it's very exciting, you know, to kind of catch you at this point. Usually we're so focused on the people at the end of their careers. You know, it's, it's good to start talking to people kind of the future of, uh, of sports in Virginia. Right. So, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Well, again, I'd like to thank everyone who either tuned in or will watch and listen to this recording, either the video or the podcast. As always, you can follow the Hall of Fame on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at VA Sports HOF. It's a great way to keep up with everything happening here at the Hall of Fame. Thank you again to our Hall of Fame sponsors and partners, Priority Automotive, City of Virginia Beach, ESPN Radio, Optima Health, and Davcon Inc. Uh, once again, I am Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Whatever you do, participate, don't spectate, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>